could all stand from, with me for the reading of the word. I'll be reading from Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gladness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our speaker this morning is Pastor Cheryl Vanatsky, and I think some of you probably know her. She was a member here at Midway from 1991 to 2005. Um, she now lives near Rogers and is the pastor of Maple Grove Mennonite, which she has pastored since 2009 near New Wilmington. Um, she also is a teacher, and she teaches at Fairhaven. I think she knows Joe. They, they teach in the same, the same place. So we're so glad to have you, Pastor Cheryl. Hello, everybody. I'm usually not that loud. Okay, I'll talk a couple minutes to you, adjust it. How's that? Okay, I, I really wanted you to be able to hear... Good. It's just me. I don't do well with mics and computers and things like that. So I will try and um, speak. I know in the past, sometimes I wasn't loud enough, but I'm getting better at it, as obviously. So um, give it a couple minutes to keep going. But I, I chose this scripture this morning because I wanted to talk about a few things. One, you just said that you're going to start this session on peace and what that means. And another, on how we live our lives and what that does to us over time. And, you know, when, when we look at Philippians, I love this passage because it holds so much, and oftentimes it's pulled apart to the point that we don't get it all, that we don't look at how do we find one this non-anxiousness, and how do we focus on things that are pure and holy and great and wonderful, and in the meantime, we're human and we sin. Anybody not a sinner? If you raise your hand now, I want you to come up and see me afterwards or talk to your pastor because we got to talk. So anyway, we come into this and I'm also going to talk a little bit about a very famous person in the Bible who we're all fond of and that's David. Was David a sinner? Yeah, was David a man after God's heart? Okay, so cool, right? But to just look at this because many of you come to service on Sunday morning and as you walk in in the morning 
you're carrying a lot, right? You're carrying a lot on your shoulders, in your mind, in your heart. Some of it is a response because of something you've done or not done. Some of it is just life. And we carry this in, and Sunday morning, we all come and we say, hi, everybody, everything's cool. Right? I'm sorry, I do move around a lot because it helps keep my legs limber. But everything's cool, and we put off this persona of either we're always all good, and everything's all good, and we know in our hearts that most people are coming into a worship service carrying things that they can't let go. So I want you to take your hands, put them together right now, grab them, and I want you to squeeze as hard as you can. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, squeeze it out. See that? Now I want you to let go. Okay. Now all that stuff that you brought in this morning, I want you to put in your hands right now. I want you to lift it up. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus. And we can go on. So Paul is talking a lot about some things that were going on in the Philippians, ch in the Philippians uh, church in Philippi. And it's this chapter or this uh, book of the Bible is usually called the book of joy. But it wasn't always all so joyful. And he's talking to them to get, a, get along, to press on towards the goal, because those people at that time were under some persecution. And I'm not going to go into all of the things that were going on at the time because we don't have that much time. But I do want you to know that when we come to this verse, rejoice in the Lord always, I will again say it, rejoice. And he goes at it, rejoice, and it is just boom. And it's said to rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And he says it again, again I say rejoice. Now was Paul's life always good? No. There are other things that get in the way. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But with prayer and petition, and it doesn't just say, I need, I want. It says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then it goes on in the peace. And people are going, well, how can I find this peace that you're talking about? And this is where I want to go to David, if you will give this to me, because it's all going to make sense in a little bit. David was a great king. He wasn't always a king. He started out as a shepherd boy. When he was in the fields helping the people, helping the sheep and taking care of his father's sheep, he was close to God. He had a lot of time on his hands. And if you close your eyes on the darkest night, that's how dark it was out there, unless he had a fire. And he had to protect those sheep and at a certain point, God gave him the strength to protect from a bear and a lion, right? Do you see how God is kind of moving this little shepherd boy along? And then he fights Goliath. Whoa. But then he becomes king after being chased and almost killed by Saul. Right? This is a big story. I had a chance to go see David at the theater in Lancaster, the live theater. What's it called? I can't remember. But what's it called? Sight and sound, it was amazing. And when they brought this character to life, it really brought him to life. And you see this man growing as being a king, fighting these wars, and fighting all of these things that he was told to do, and all of a sudden, 
One day it comes time for him to go to battle, and what does he do in chapter 11? In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Was he where he was supposed to be? Nope. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now something is going to happen with David, be careful little eyes what you see, that's going to absolutely destroy one, his ministry if you will, one, his message, and his very life in many ways. And David goes for a walk one evening. Remember, he sent all his people off. Usually the king at that time went off to war and fought the battles with his people, with his men. And he goes for a walk one night, and he comes upon a beautiful sight. A lovely lady. And she's bathing. Now he saw her, and guess what? Thus begins something that takes over our brain. This is a big sin. He calls for her to his chambers. He's the king. She's not going to refuse him. Bathsheba lays with him. And it really destroys him. I didn't want to read the whole thing, um, but she was a married lady. She was married to Uriah. And he knew it. And Uriah was one of David's best friends. Betrayal. The Bible is amazing to read. And I will tell you this if I haven't told you it before. You don't hear me every Sunday. You don't hear me very often. This is living. Because I'm telling you, I can preach on the same scripture and find something every single week that will, God will give to me. And he'll give it to you too. So the living word, he, this man, Uriah, was one of his closest people who knew him from the beginning on. And he betrays him. And then he tries to bring him back to cover up his sin because now Bathsheba is pregnant. Yes, we're talking about pregnancy in church. Sin is real. And he tries to cover it up. And he brings him back. He says, well, if he comes back and he's with his wife, then they'll think the baby's his. It all comes down to the fact that he ends up sending Uriah off to the front lines and he kills him. David broke four he sends him to his death. He knows if he's in the front, he's going to die. Whoa, we don't know all this story sometimes. David broke at least four commandments in a short amount of time. And he goes into hiding, but what was going on in David's life is he was really stressed. He was really stressed. This being a king was not easy. This running a kingdom and, and fighting the wars and further and further away he got from God. And before you know it, he has all these wives because back then you were allowed to have a lot, especially if you're a king. There's some sort of tales going on, right? And he starts to fall. Because as he gets further into this life, this world, he starts to fall. He starts to get so stressed that he just can't handle it. And after a while, he stays home that time, and he is in a weakened state, which most of us will get to at some point in our lives when things are going bad, and especially if we go further and further and further away from God. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He wasn't meditating on the word, which brings us back to Philippians. He wasn't having that time with God. 
and he knew what he was doing was wrong, but he still did it. Because the first thing when it comes to sin or when it comes to messing with our peace, our peace, is we see something we want. I'm not using my notes. I hope I'm staying on track. We see something we want. We just said the Lord's Prayer, and in that prayer it says, lead us not into temptation. Does God lead us in? No, but deliver us from evil. Temptation will always be there, folks. Temptation to wallow in our self-pity, temptation to make and sin, and every single day I will guarantee you I make some sin of some sort. And some of them are bad, and some of them are okay, and some of them have really serious consequences like David, and some of them have the consequence of what happens to my mind. So let's see, I want, I want a brand new car. That would be nice. I want a brand new house. I want all new clothes. Fill in what it is you want because when you get there, if you're in a stressed state, what happens? What happens with our eyes? All sin. And all, de not depression, I don't want to call it that, but all things come from what we see first. And I don't care if you are blind and you can't really see, you know what it is that you want. And that's where it starts. So we're being told here in Philippians, I want you, whatever is true, noble, right, and pure, and whatever is lovely, what is it that you're looking upon that you want that will cause you to sin, that will cause you to lose or have an anxiousness about you? What is it? I know there's times where temptation, I'll just say chocolate cake. I like chocolate cake. There are times I shouldn't have chocolate cake. And if I eat too much chocolate cake, I'm going to get sick. But let's say that what I really want is that car, so I decide, okay, I'm getting it at all costs, and I'm already working myself fingers to the bone, and I still don't have the money for it, so I go out and I get a credit card. And I buy it all in credit. Next thing I know, I want the house, so I bought credit. What's happening here? I am not depending upon the Lord my God. I am not focusing on the most holy, pure, righteous, wonderful thing in the world, which is God. And he will guide me. He will take me to the place where it is what I need. Correct? Before I know it, I'm in debt. It's a consequence. Not the worst sin in the world, but it's something that gets in my way of being with God. Now, Nathan comes to David. Nathan is another prophet friend of his, and he calls David on the sin. He says, you know, and what does David do? David says, I know. I sin. And he begs God not to take his hand from him. God did not take his hand from him, but there were some serious consequences of David's behavior. That's a well-used Bible. Sorry. We're just going to put the rest of the word under here for a moment. So David is in a place where he's totally anxious because 
everything is coming at him. And he's made a humongous mistake. And he feels God will never, ever love him again. But he took his eyes off God. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, what do you watch on TV? I know I don't always see the best, most pure, wonderful things on television. I'm going to bring it to today. I don't always see it, right? I see things that I shouldn't see on television. I see things that I want to see on television, even though there are things I don't and shouldn't see. Careful, little ears, what you hear. Is it pure? And then we were trying to think of the third one this morning as, you know, what you speak, what you say. Because it comes in here, and then it goes to here. And this is where he's talking about, think upon these things, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You want to fix your life? You want to fix some of this anxiousness? Start to look at what is good. Now that seems really simple, doesn't it? Is it that simple? If it really is, please tell me, because I want to know how you do it. So I'm, I'm going to actually go to my notes here for a moment, because I don't want to forget this part. So what is being noble? What is that? What is noble? It's things that are worthy. Is God worthy? Yes. So if you're focusing on God in the Word, wow, there's something noble, as opposed to things that are unworthy of your focus, of your listening, of your worship. Whatever is true. If you're going to talk about somebody, including yourself, I want you to ask a question. Including yourself, because you are miraculously made. You are children of God. He loves you. I want you to take hold of that too. Take hold of it. Is it true what you say about yourself? Is it true what you say about somebody else? Is it true what you say about your life and God? Woo! When I start listening to this, I go, wow, Lord, help me. Let me do this. Whatever is right, as opposed to things that are unjust. It can be as simple as a friendship betrayal. It can be as simple as a conversation between husband and wife or sibling. Is it just? We always think about the big things, but in order to get here, we have to start thinking about the things in our lives on a daily basis. What's pure as opposed to dirty and unholy? You know the difference. Whatever is lovely as opposed to things that are ugly. And someone says, nothing's ugly. Oh, yeah. What about war? What about harming other people? It's ugly and it's unjust. Whatever is winsome, now that's a funny word. It's something that causes joy or pleasure. And you said, well, 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 well. Look at these things, folks. 
I see you looking at that little baby. Oh, my goodness. I see you looking at one another because you're friends. And how do we get here? How do we let go of some of those things? One, if we go back to when Nathan approached David, he repented. He went back to God and says, here I am. I do not, I, God does not care where you've been. He cares about where you are. And sometimes we have to repent. And he knows where you've been, and it doesn't matter how much talking you do, he already knows. And we can hide it in the dark, and we can hide our, our bad feelings about things in under a cloak, but God knows the heart. The next part that comes is after our eyes see something that we want to do or we want to have happen, or, and we know it's going to lead to not-so-good things, the next thing is a thought forms, doesn't it? Ooh, how can I get it? Well, I, hate, I don't want to keep going back to David because this was a big one. This was a big one, and most things are smaller in our world. But David had a lot of power. And I'm going to tell you a secret, my dear friends. So do you. You have a lot of power. The Holy Spirit will give you power to overcome these things. You have a lot of power. You have the power to maybe influence a person to follow Jesus in such a way that they will have eternal life. And what greater thing is that? That is our great commission. Is it pure? Is it holy? Whatever is praiseworthy as opposed to shameful or punishable. Well, this gives a good test for our thoughts. Because he goes in here and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. And then he goes on, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, you, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, see in me, Paul is talking to them, what did you see in me that made you follow Jesus? There's your power, folks. Every single one of you has power over someone else. Power to destroy or power to make life. And that includes over yourselves with God's help. Do you agree? Think about God's thoughts. Where, where can I find God's thoughts at? You're all mature Christians in here. In the Bible, meditate on the Word. There is so much good in here. And then we read the story about David and we think, oh, I don't know if that was... But it taught us a lesson. It taught us the growing of who and how each person can fall because God knows that we are human. Why would he give us this entire scripture that stays alive for thousands of years if not to help us on? Meditate on it. In uh, Psalm 19:711, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Oh, does this sound familiar? The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is pure and enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, more pure, much more pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than any honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is a great reward. That is Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. What are you carrying this morning, folks? What are you holding on to that's holding you back from God? It's holding you from experiencing the joy. And then ask yourself, what am I focused on? What do I allow into my life that causes me great distress? I'm not silly. I'm not stupid enough to, uh, to know that there are things that are going to come in your life that are going to cause great distress. But where can you find freedom from this anxiousness? Start focusing your mind in a different direction where God is asking you upon his word by prayer. Uh-oh. Petition, supplication, thanksgiving. You pray. You read the word. You are in fellowship with one another because all of these places that were written to were always in fellowship with other Christians so that you can be raised up when you need to and you can raise another up when they need to. That doesn't mean that every single moment of that is there. Do not find yourself in places that you're not supposed to be. If God is calling you to do something, listen. For it is pure. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Solomon asked a rhetorical question. Remember Solomon? Another great guy. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Stop putting the fire in your lap. Stop touching it. Stop going into those places in your own mind that cause you to lose your fellowship with God. This is how we worship him. Okay, for a moment, I just want you to do something with me. And maybe I did it with you before because I like it. But I want you to take your hands, open them up. Remember I asked you to put some things down? So you take them and throw them up to God. Smile. Raise your eyes. Think of something you're really grateful for. Is it pure? Is it holy? Is it wonderful? Now look at me. Are you smiling yet? Folks, sometimes it's as simple as that. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, sometimes it's just as simple as taking a few moments to lift your eyes into the heavens, say a quick prayer, say thank you, be grateful, and think of something that you're thankful for. And smile, even if it's fake. I'm not saying you can't be depressed, but it'll help. So for this week, I usually give, um, I usually give uh, the congregation something to do during the week. But for this week, I want you to look at this chapter, and I want you to name one thing beside each word that's pure, that's pure in your life, that you think is pure that you could think on. I want you to go into your scripture... Philippians, okay, you got this? Taking notes? See, I'm a teacher too, right? Go into the scripture and look at it 
and say and look at it and read it and starting at least at verse 8, whatever is true, what is true that you can focus on in your life? It's Jesus. Whatever is noble, what is it? And I want you to take each piece of this piece of scripture and I want you to write one thing down in your life that fits the bill. And I want you to give thanks for it every day. A minute in prayer. Uninterrupted prayer. It's harder than you think. I'm telling you. If I told you right now, I'm going to give you one minute. It will seem like an eternity. Focus your mind only on Jesus. Only on whatever is pure, noble, holy. Can you do it? Start to train your mind to look at the things of God. I was asked just for a, a quick one by a couple people here this morning to give a little bit of my story. Most of you know it. There's a few faces here that I really don't know and some that haven't seen me in so long they wouldn't know me on the street especially some of these kids. I looked at Aaron, I was like, no. It's been a few years since I've been able to come between COVID and everything else. But um, I wasn't really raised in a church. One of the funniest stories was when I moved to West Virginia, I started going to a uh, Baptist church. It was the closest one, and I rode a pony to it. And they kept telling Sunday school, they did this little thing. They said, I want to take down how many verses you read a week. So at the end of the week, we would come into Sunday school, and we would say, I read this many verses. Now here's me, I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm reading. And these people, these kiddos are like, oh, I read 16 verses, and I'm going, I read five. I was reading chapters. Because I wasn't raised in it. I was raised mainly Catholic because I went to a Catholic school. I don't want to go into how I got to a Catholic school. Um, they thought I was enlightened because I told the nun that, the, that Jesus was with me all the time. Did I tell you this? I don't know if I did. This little girl, I knew that there was a God, but there was these big flowery nuns. Anybody know who the big flowery nuns and they have these big flowing gowns and you don't see them much anymore, especially the younger ones. They're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. And they used to walk down in front of my house. And I thought they were beautiful. They had all this pretty stuff. I thought it was pretty. Sorry. And I asked this one young nun who was probably an novitiate. I said, why do you dress like this? She says, because we're married to God, to Jesus. All of you? Now, this is my grandparents telling me this. I'm like, all of you are married to Jesus? This was not compute. We have one husband, one wife. That was it. So she knelt down to tell me. She says, and I can see her face. I don't remember this story. She says, you can't see him, but he died for you, and he loves you very much, and he's always with you. And basically, that was what she said. And I said, I know who that is. It's like this light that was always around. Hi, baby, baby. How you doing? 
You just woke up and looked at me like, what, are you crazy? It's like this light that was always around. And I told her this, and they thought I was an enlightened child at the age of five and sent me to Catholic school. Fast forward to day one. The nun smacked me across the face, and I kicked her in the shins. I was suspended. <laughs> I tell that so that you know that we just need to see Jesus. And this world is struggling. And this world is afraid. And there's a lot of false stuff out there. And you, my friends, have something to do. One, to look at yourself, to pay attention to what's pure, holy, to stay in contact with God, to go and be where he wants you to be, and then to spread the good news. And that might be with a word, it just may be they see how you live. Or it just may be a kindness that you give. But this is your job. I want you to have the peace that surpasses all understanding every day. These are some ways to get there. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Don't let someone talk bad about you, including yourself. You are beautiful. God loves you. And he loved you before we knew him. Amen? Amen. I had a uh, prayer I wanted to read to you, but I don't know where I stuck it. I can't find it, so I guess God's saying it probably fell out of the Bible. Here it is. And it's entitled, Touch Me with a Truth That Burns Like Fire. Lord, send the gift of your spirit to fill this place and myself and the world. You pray for the world. Touch me with truth that burns like fire. Ooh. Do you know how we get really pure gold? You melt it until it cooks all the impurities out. With beauty that moves me like a wind. And set me free, Lord. Free to try new ways of living. Free to forgive myself and others. Free to love and laugh and sing. How do you see yourself? Free to lay aside my burden of security. Free to join the battle for justice and peace. Free to see and listen and wonder again at the gracious mystery of things and persons. Free to be. Free to give. To receive, to rejoice as a child of your spirit. And Lord, teach me how to dance, to turn around and come down where you want me to be, where I need to be, in the arms and heart of your people and in you, that I may praise and enjoy you forever and have that peace that surpasses all understanding. I praise God for each one of you. And I wish that each one of you can find that peace. The answer is in here. The answer is in the Holy Spirit filling you in prayer, and do not leave aside your brothers and sisters. They have a story to tell as well. Let us pray. Oh, most holy God, I thank you. I praise you. I thank you for the opportunity of being here today with all these lovely people, your people, God. I ask that you bless them, that you bless this church, that you bless the children and the adults, and that you give them the strength and the courage and the mercy 
and the holiness to walk forward with your holy name upon their lips and their hearts. Through Christ our Lord and Savior, amen.